on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. Some of the doctors are great and they're like, I'm working with nutritionists and they're like, okay, cool, she'll handle it. But some of them are like, let's just go on a statin, which we don't have to go down what statins do to your body. Um, Not saying they're not useful in some instances. So there's obviously that caveat with all medications, but in general, the recommendations for total Welcome to In The Rack Podcast where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Nick and I have yet another guest on the episode. Um, I think we've been just having a bunch of guests on the episode because nobody wants to hear us talk anymore. Just Nick and I, anyways. Yeah. So we've been, yeah. We've been yeah. just having guests like every single week, so it's it's been great. And it's, it, they like it's the an easier conversation. Than us. I think so. Yeah. I think so. But the guest that we have on the show today, her name is Sarah Karaman. Caramel. Caramel. Yes. Nice. See? Two for two. Um, And she is a clinical nutritionist. Yep. She has her master's in clinical nutrition. And uh, her big thing is, if I I got this right, it's nutrition and lifestyle consulting. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Uh, She is pretty local to us. She, I thought she was in Dover, but she's actually in Newmarket now. Uh, she actually currently has her practice out of a chiropractic office, which is, is it in Newmarket? No, that's in Barrington. Barrington. Okay. It's in Barrington. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to definitely let her talk a little bit more about what she's, what she's about, but you know, let's, Nick can get in the weeds and just talking with Sarah before this episode, it seems like she can get in the weeds too. So we're going to try to keep out of the weeds as much as we can, but you never know what no, happens. we won't go too deep. We'll stay in the weeds, no <laughs> rabbit holes. No, maybe a few rabbit holes. Small yeah. rabbit holes. I like big family rabbits. Yeah. You know. Uh, first thing I want to say, shout out Ryan uh, Coburn. Uh, if you Does ever, he listen to the I don't podcast? know if he listens, but Ryan, if you listen, man, we can appreciate you. We're going to have uh, to Sarah it. is our, our uh, this would be our third, third podcast guest. That was courtesy of Wait, Ryan. who was the first one? Thank you. Um, first one was John. No, I, so second, but we have yeah, to get Marissa. That's She'll right. Be that's right. That's right. That's but right. Yes. we we were connected with Marissa, so Marissa yes. will be on at some point. That's right. But so second, two of three at the yeah. moment. So keep them flowing, Ryan. Yes. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. So right. why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself, Sarah, and yeah. you know what's what's going on in your world? Cool. So as you mentioned, I have my master's in clinical nutrition. I have like a half virtual, half in person practice at I don't know if you've ever heard of Middleton Chiropractic. They have an office in Dover, and then the one that I'm at is in Barrington. Um, And I actually met the guy I work with at the gym. So we ended up just having a good relationship, lots of conversations about just health and making sure that we have the same concept going into how we treat people. So my whole thing is more of a root cause approach of let's dig deep into what you have going on as an individual versus just here's a basic meal plan, have fun that big picture of you go to the doctor and my labs look fine, but I'm really not fine. So how often do you sit down with somebody and go over sleep, stress, diet, lifestyle, medication, supplements, piece it all together to really figure out what are your unique needs as an individual, go over your lab work, all of that kind of stuff, and then just figure out what are the steps to take from there to really help you heal and recover. So it's more of an education behind 
how the body works and the most important steps to get there. So we address digestion and inflammation and all of those things because we could tweak diet all day long. But if your digestive tract isn't working appropriately and you have all this chronic inflammation, nothing you do is really going to stick until we address all of those foundational things. So that's kind of my approach. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think, um, I know I do. I, I can't speak for Chad. Um, we definitely dive. <laughs> you speak for stuff. me all the time. What are you talking about? I, you're right. I do. I'm sorry. Uh, or am I sorry? I don't know. No, you're not. Um, we do. We, we dive into the same types of things with our uh, our clients and patients from PT perspective, training perspective. You know, we're getting into the nutrition, the sleep, the you know, the stress levels. Um, and I think the biggest thing there, you you hit the nail on the head. You said a lot of your job is education. I mean, that's what it is because because. You know, the body wants to be in a healthy, balanced, homeostatic state. Sometimes you just need a little push that way. And a lot of that comes from awareness, right? So if we can make these individuals aware of these things, um, create what I like to call awake awareness. So they're not just their body's aware of it, but they're not, you know, consciously aware of it. Um, then that can can sometimes be all they need, right? Like just creates an awareness practice around it and they can make the changes themselves. So I think that that's a huge thing that, that often gets overlooked. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's enough emphasis in really any, I know in like our PT pro, my PT program specifically, there was a, you know, big emphasis on patient education, but I think in all kind of health fields, there needs to be a little bit more of this focus on, Hey, education is like number one, like you need to give the people the tools because once we take it and put it like put the ball in our court and say, no, this is our job to do this. You know, we're taking the power away from the individual. That's not cool. Yeah. And to constantly reiterate the fact that your body has the capability of healing and recovering because you go and you get this diagnosis and you're like, that sucks. This is what I have to deal with for the rest of my life. But like nothing makes your body incapable of healing. We just have to figure out what's getting in the way. And sometimes just that information allows people to actually want to get the information they need to heal. Because if they've been told they have this diagnosis that they can do nothing about other than take medications, then really they just feel like no matter what I do isn't going to help me feel better, so then I might as well do nothing. So it's really sometimes just encouraging people that they can heal and nothing separating them from anybody else from healing from everything that they're going through. Yeah. So that's a big one. That's too. so, that's so true too. And, and, you know, you had mentioned you're more of a root cause person for people listening. When we talk about medications, pharmaceuticals in general, they're not typically targeting the root cause. So just know that like a pharmaceutical, it doesn't mean it shouldn't be part of your, pro like your, uh, you know, recovery process or your healing process. It very much may be, but just know that usually the pharmaceutical is targeted at a symptom and not so much a root cause, you know, so the root cause is going to come from the other stuff, the lifestyle factors and those types of things. Same thing with a supplement. A supplement is supporting your body and healing itself, right? It's not doing, like if you feel better on a supplement, you know, don't give the supplement all the credit. Your body was able to do that with the support of the supplement. You know, the, it's, it's kind of like the role player in a sport, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we can pile all these supplements on top. But if you already have chronic digestive issues, you're not even doing anything with those supplements. You're just swallowing hundreds of dollars of supplements <laughs> that aren't doing anything. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I think I can attest firsthand how many supplements I've taken and it was complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. It's funny how, how, how much you can get from so much less, how much more you can get from so much less versus... You, you have a unique perspective, too, working for GNC in college. I did. Yeah, Ooh. actually, I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the funny thing was, working for GNC in college is uh, they were pushing their own products like crazy. So I would... Everything that I would sell, I would get a commission on, you know? And the commission on the GNC products was way more than the commission on, like, 
yeah. anything else in that store. Of course, they wanted you to push their own shit. Yeah. So yeah. it's just how it goes. It's business, yeah. but I didn't know shit. Yeah. In, I didn't know shit in college. I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. Yeah, Take push this. this one. I yeah, get more money. This. That was also back in the day where like the plastic case was the actual plastic case. Like there was actually some stuff in there that's completely illegal nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> isn't it crazy yeah it's pretty wild right that is wild. um and that was only 20 years ago you know and people think of them as very benign like yeah. we have this understanding the pharmaceuticals have symptoms and they have to be used appropriately for specific yes. things but for some reason when it comes to natural substances herbs supplements all of these things they're like oh whatever we can take yeah. that that's not going to do anything that's right. That's right. Versus like they can harm you just like a medication can harm you medications were originally synthesized from natural substances so yes. they can do the same thing yep yeah yeah for we, sure we had that very interesting podcast with john yeah, uh, yeah. about that whole Pharmacist, situation yeah. with with uh how they pretty much rebrand pharmaceuticals like they just changed the chemical structure by yeah. just a little bit right yeah it's pretty interesting. Money. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, once the patent on a on a pharmaceutical ends, they stop pushing it because they can't make money, right? So then they have to make something new that is just similar enough but different enough to be have a new new patent essentially, which is unfortunate. But so always always think about that when you know it's like, oh man, I took this medication a while back, and that, you know now the doctor's not recommending it. It's like man, because there's no money to be made off of it anymore. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. it's the reality of it. it but yeah, the, the, the whole like just. Everyone needs to understand this is something that everyone should know is that the supplement industry is not regulated like pharmaceutical industry. We could d dive into that rabbit hole of is it, it? Yes, it's regulated technically, but is it technically regulated? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of controlling forces there that can manipulate the regulations. But nonetheless, there are um, standards at, at, at in place for for the pharmaceuticals. But supplements is kind of the Wild West. There's really not much regulation. So you need to. Um, you know, either do do your due diligence or work with someone who um, better understands that industry and can guide you towards a good quality supplement because you will be more likely to get a adverse effect from something that is more synthetic or from a bad source. And that is a real thing that happens in the supplement world, unfortunately. Um, so it is something to to consider without a doubt. And yes, people are like, oh my gosh, my supplements can, yes, they can, but like, they are less likely to than pharmaceuticals typically, um, but it is a thing. So it's something to be considered. It's not to be taken lightly for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. So what, right. what got you into nutrition? Okay, so I'm we'll not talk about you now. Let's stop talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop talking about Nick. Yeah, sorry. I'm not going to make this into a rabbit hole. <laughs> so I have hip dysplasia. I've had seven reconstructive hip surgeries, ended up having a peripheral nervous system disorder kind of developed from all of that. I mean series of nerve block injections was supposed to go through um, disability just because they were like, we're going to have to completely reconstruct everything and you're just not going to be walking. So as like a 17 year old was told, I was just going to go on disability and essentially not do anything for the rest of my life. So that led me to kind of figure out, all right, well, doctors aren't helping. They just keep being like, here's more drugs. And I just ended up being on opioids for years, trying to make it through college, sitting there on Vicodin, like <laughs> trying to pay attention. Yeah, oh gosh. Um, so I was in my undergrad for exercise science and my professor was amazing. She kind of took me under her wing and started showing me like, hey, there are these different substances that can help just as much, if not more than these opioids. So you can at least help your body heal a little bit. Because I mean, I was in a walker on college, in college because oh, wow. I had to choose my college based on how close it was to my surgeons so that I could actually like not delay going to school. 
So she kind of started bringing awareness to you. There's all this research out here about natural things that can help you. Why don't we at least try some of them? So I was going to pain management, doing all of these injections and that kind of stuff. They wanted to surgically implant a stimulator in my spine. That was like the next thing. They were like, there's nothing else that can help you. Just stay on the opioids, oh, get this surgically implanted as like a 17-year-old. And I was yeah. like, okay. So I kept going back and being like, what else can I do? Like, does my diet impact this? How about supplements? And she was like, no, nothing can help this. This is just what you have to do. So I was like, I just don't feel like that's the way that I don't accept the idea that as a 17 year old, I'm just going to be on these meds for the rest of my life. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to function. So through her, I started realizing there's a lot of other substances and things that you can do and exercise that can help and movement that's going to really help your body actually heal to the capacity that it can with these types of structural issues. So then towards the end, I was going to go on to get my doctorate as a naturopath but then the school i was going to go to was very dangerous in uh was it springfield no (laughs) (laughs) no in connecticut to the point where you had to have these like trackers and you press the button for the police to come get out of here like in connecticut what school was it uh uh, you would say that and i would immediately forget it's okay what city was in here was it like new haven no wow so um anyways it was a very interesting long rabbit hole conversation that just turned into her being like well you know what you also just are so passionate about the things that you really like so she was like that would include a lot of things but you're very passionate about helping the body just heal and recover through more of like nutrition and herbs and that kind of thing so then I ended up pursuing my master's in clinical nutrition kind of selfishly of like I'm trying to learn more about how to help myself heal and then that kind of leads into the passion of the chronic illnesses that everybody else has that they just think they have to deal with and that they have no tools to help them actually heal and recover. So it turned into a passion of helping other people, but it selfishly was like, because I've had this own, my own chronic pain kind of journey. Well, you can only help others once you're in a good place, you know? So I think that that I wouldn't even call that selfish. Like you, you needed to find yourself a good place first before you could, you know, really refine that passion of, of helping others. Because I think same thing for us, like, me personally, I got into physical therapy because I dealt with my own injuries yeah. post-op and that kind of stuff. Chad, same thing. I mean, his brother um, went through an amputation Jeez. when they were in high school. So he experienced physical therapy firsthand from that um, perspective. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think our, our experience absolutely shape our path for sure. Yeah, totally. You know, I think you really never know how that's going to work out yeah, either. Yeah, for sure. You know, you yeah. think it's going to be a bad path and then you find out that everything ha- – I mean, I'm, I'm a true believer and everything happens for a reason. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, one thing, you might think it might be the worst thing in the world, but if maybe you had not had that situation, you don't know where you'd be now, right? Correct, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have found the career that I'm so passionate absolutely. about yeah. helping other people if yeah. I hadn't gone through this whole chronic pain journey totally. myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And physical therapies played a big role in that too. So That's I awesome. love physical yeah. therapists. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how does everything feel now? Back, hips, everything. Just but... I mean, not fantastic. Yeah. My last surgery was a little over a year ago. So I'm hoping okay. that that was the last one. But I like, mostly because I pushed myself too hard. I love lifting. I was doing squat-tober, which was the worst idea <laughs> with hip dysplasia. Yeah, I and say, I got That's... like a complete slap tear yeah. again for the third time of my uh, labrum. So they constantly go in and are like reshaping bone, repairing labrums, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'll always be in pain. I do have like a lot of nerve damage and that kind of stuff that I deal with. But now I have tools. So it's instead of going to the opioids or being like, I just can't lift anymore. 
I kind of have recapitulated like using different movements that I've learned. Yeah, Maybe sure. instead of like going too far in a squat, I do a lot of split squats and single nice. stance stuff okay. and that kind of stuff. Awesome. And then I have all sorts of herbs and supplements and that kind of stuff that help with pain just as much, if not more, than the pharmaceuticals I was on for years. So that led to like gut problems and all that stuff that so many people deal okay, with. Okay, so we have to go into it now because people people would be listening and be like, okay, what herbs, what herbs, what supplements, right? Because that's how people think. <laughs> like, what do you want, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're like, oh my gosh, oh, please talk about that next. Please so what talk do about that next. What yeah. do I take? Yeah. yeah. Okay. How much? So what, what supplements, what herbs have helped you in that regard? Have helped me specifically. Yes. So this is the long one. And because I'm in this space, like keep that in mind. I'm always trying Big disclaimer, things. yes. And right. everyone's different too. So. <laughs> right. Huge disclaimer. Yeah. There's some simple ones that even like people that don't have chronic pain can use like tart cherry juice has the same enzyme that helps block the pathway that something like ibuprofen does and so it's not a miracle it doesn't work better than ibuprofen but it works about the same and in studies those results actually last a little bit longer it's like a longer amount of pain relief too so i use my little nerdy concoction is I get tart cherry juice and then I mix in a bunch of tinctures because I don't like swallowing nice. pills. So I'll do things like anti-spasmodic herbs. I don't know if you've heard of like wild lettuce, cramp bark, St. John's wort, California poppy. I have like all of those in tincture forms and I make myself a little mixture. Nice. High dose magnesium. All of those are really big. And then I also do um, a really good quality CBD. So that helps me in particular, but it doesn't help everybody. So it's kind of figuring out what works for you. And then just getting down to controlling inflammation in general. Like you can't just keep putting out the fire from chronic inflammation. You have to make sure that inflammation is at a maintainable level so that all of those things actually help. Yeah. That that's a big one, the inflammation thing, because now now that the medical system is aware of inflammation, like I feel like for so long it's just like, oh, what's causing all this? And and now they say it's inflammation causing all this stuff. And like, yes, but inflammation is also a symptom of something underlying, right? So the medical system is still struggling to peel back that next layer. We're just blaming everything on inflammation. And yeah, yeah, I get it. But now everyone's so kind of hell bent on like, oh my gosh, I need to get my inflammation in control. Like, and it's turning into kind of this culture of inflammation is all bad, but right. it's not. Your body needs it, right? It's about not being chronically inflamed, right? Or overly inflamed. And, you know, that's what you were just alluding to. And I think that's important for people to understand because everyone's just like, oh no, I need to like completely blunt my inflammation. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Right. <laughs> you just had a hard workout. You're going to be inflamed a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and that's normal. That's how your body heals. So herbs, herbs are great in that instance because they don't completely shut it off right they support the body systems during that time of inflammation you know so that's that's certainly an important um aspect of that but no that's that's uh, the tinctures i i've come around at tinctures um you know in the last year or two because i i growing up had a lot of issues swallowing pills myself i love yeah. how he um, says growing up yeah. he literally yeah. just started <laughs> swallowing pills two years ago <laughs> growing up dude i'm still growing up man. <laughs> how old are you We're all how old am i up. 31 yeah yeah um, yeah, You're a thirty-year-old man. Yeah, well, I'm still growing, dude. Right. I'm still. I'm. I. I think I'm catching up to Ryan. I think I'm going to be six eight. <laughs> I'm still growing. I can't grow a beard yet. I think my growth plate is still open. Okay. So don't don't uh don't take me. You you've been trying to take me down all day. No. Stop <laughs> taking me down, man. No. I'm still growing. All right. So I'm a growing boy. Um. So yeah, no, I think that 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 is important for 
people to understand that that inflammatory pathway is very much a normal thing within yeah. the body for sure. And like your contributing factors to inflammation are going to be different. Like not exactly. everybody has the same contributors exactly. to inflammation. Things like IBS, all that does is mean <laughs> that there's inflammation in the GI tract. So yeah. that's not a root cause. Like you have IBS. For sure. Yeah. That's like why is there inflammation present <laughs> yeah. in that yeah. organ? Yeah. So I mean the yeah. inflammation one is a big rabbit hole, but there's some um underlying factors that everybody should consider like your omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid ratio like there are some ways that just the human body works in general that if those things aren't addressed you're going to have inflammation yeah Yeah. or like sleep right like everyone should be getting better sleep um we're not i don't want to talk about the time of sleep because yes everyone's slightly different but like everyone should be getting good quality sleep because that's when your body's going to kind of smooth all that stuff out flush all that stuff out yeah so if you're not getting it yeah you're going to start the next day at a disadvantage you know and then you go to your stressful job do your hard workout and you're like yeah i'm doing all the healthy stuff but like you're still not sleeping well it's gonna there's gonna be some problems at some point uh super important and that's like you know where genetics would come into play too and everyone I talk about this a lot, especially lately, I feel. Um, medical system loves the two scapegoats of age and genetics because if I'm the provider and I blame it on genetics, yeah, I, I have no control of that. So, like, I took the onus off me completely. Um, but when I blame it on on that, you also take the power away from the individual. So you make them feel helpless, which is wrong. And it's it's do genetics play a role? Does age play? Absolutely, it plays a role, but it's not the only only factor there and something needs to pull that lever you know so people have these genetic predispositions to um you know the pattern of ibs right like when they have too much inflammation it presents itself as ibs whereas someone else may have it as rheumatoid arthritis or whatever right they might get it in their joints um but everyone's like ah it's genetics i just have to take this medication for the rest of my life and that's it you know no you don't have a deficiency in that medication there's something else going on here that we right. have to we have to address and that's just not being addressed in the the, the modern medical system and the role uh, of epigenetics too like we can't just blame our genetics yeah, anymore because sure. you can turn on and off the expression yeah, of specific genes sure. with these dietary and lifestyle patterns and with that whole blaming sleeping issues on age yeah there's a bunch of different things that can contribute but what's your blood sugar looking like yeah. that's a huge thing that i discuss with everybody almost everybody that's in that age category just by the time they've made it to that age with all of the dietary and lifestyle kind of habits that they've built up most people have some form of blood sugar dysregulation and that's contributing to their sleeping problems so most of the time once we get blood sugar really managed and under control they wake up a lot less they're getting much deeper sleep and therefore they're actually able to recover from their workouts and just life and be able to mitigate some of that chronic inflammation in general. Do you use a lot of continuous glucose monitors or not too much? I love continuous glucose monitors. It depends. So I work with a lot of women who have a lot of disordered eating stuff in their past. Sometimes it can kind of teeter the line of going back to like, yeah, yeah, too much data all the time. I use it for myself. I think they're fantastic. And I use it with specific people, but with a lot of women coming to me, it could just like spark that disordered eating pattern Understandable, yeah. So I'm careful with it, but I really like NutriSense. I work with them. Which nice. Is cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, yeah. The, the, the blood sugar thing is um, it's it's super um, interesting because most people think like, oh, no, I don't have diabetes. It's like, well, no, you don't need to be diagnosed with diabetes to have blood sugar dysregulation. So, yeah. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of children with it right now and, and sleep issues in children um, largely um, related to that. So it's it's a it's a real issue that everyone should be cognizant of and, and pay attention to, you know, because there's a lot of just bodily cues that you can you can focus on to 
um, address and manage those those types of, of issues because it's a um, it's a gradual thing over time. It's progressive over time. You know, it's not just like one day. Oh, my blood sugar is dysregulated. Like all of a sudden, no, yeah. it happened over time. Right. Um, it could take twenty years of insulin sure. resistance before you even for see sure. a change in your labs. Sure. Yeah. And like you could be at. 91 one year and then all of a sudden the next year they're like you have pre-diabetes yeah. and they're like how did this happen all of a sudden it's like you were inching your way there yeah. slowly i know oh man that that too with the medical system blaming things on age genetics but then also like you get this one data point and you're like oh that's it and then they diagnose like hypertension they do it all the time they get this blood pressure reading that's high and then yeah we had hayden yesterday took the cpet and yeah he started out he's He's getting all jacked up for the, the the stress test. So his blood pressure was 160 over 80 when he was at rest. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden he started exercising and it dropped to 120 <laughs> over 80. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the, the one-time reading is is um, it, you got to be careful with it. You know, you really have to track data over time. And, and um, so that's, that's super important. Um, and then what do they tell you to do? cut out salt they don't go into like <laughs> oh, how oh blood God. sugar oh, get us blood pressure yeah oh like, sodium yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah oh yeah the, the we salt go thing through a bag a month yeah we uh oh we, God, so, we like salt, salt. that's like probably salt. our biggest um that protein increasing protein and then the de-educating the the salt myths yes with people is huge yeah um because now use element yeah, so we use a lot of that. We we love Redmonds. So Redmonds, Me too. Um, yeah, yeah they favorite. have their Relight um, yep. that my wife and I have been using for um, a while now. The, but which flavor do you use? So we go unflavored, actually. What? I know. It sounds crazy, right? I like right? the strawberry lemonade. So the flavors are good. Don't get me wrong. We go unflavored. Um, my wife puts like a little pinch in and I'm like, I don't think you're getting that much there. She's like, no, no, no. I taste it. I taste it. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I was like, I, I still don't think you're getting that much. You're like like a little tiny pinch yeah and i'm like dumping the thing in there yeah um but yeah so relay we go unflavored um but um you know i I, in terms of the flavors i usually just stick to like the the lemon i like lemon lime like that's usually my go-to yeah Um, it's like vanilla ice cream yeah yeah you can't go wrong (laughs) usually people these brands usually can't mess up a lemon lime, no. right? Like you, it's True. it's hard Not to. It some of the fruitier like ones, like when you get into some of like strawberry watermelon and stuff like that, sometimes they can they can they can butcher it a little bit. Yeah, but that was a weird rabbit hole. I Sorry. guess, right? I saw. What were we talking? Yeah, no. salt, sodium. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a rabbit hole. Nope. Too much. Um, but yeah, the the salt thing is interesting. Um, you know, people have a lot of the preconceived notions from decades ago, and they're still operating under that. But the biggest thing, in my opinion, with salt is that you can actually cause more harm by going to, by over restricting salt. And that's our big thing is like, we don't mean like take an excessive amount of salt because yes, that can pose some issues. But our thing is like, Hey, most people are under consuming sodium, you know, for, in terms of electrolytes. Yeah. We don't want like bad quality salt, but like if you're under consuming sodium, you are going to cause more imbalances in the body and potentially more harmful than too much because your body has natural mechanisms to get rid of excess sodium. Um, whereas your, your mechanisms for excess sugar just get stored, right? So we have the, the ability to pee out excess sodium. The, the excess sugar doesn't get peed out as much as it does get stored and that's where we get this blood sugar dysregulation yeah and then they're lightheaded fatigued they get all these muscle cramps they're not recovering from their workouts and they're like my doctor told me not to eat any salt (laughs) i know i know yeah yeah so because of the culture we live in um if you're listening to this you can you can i mean we can pretty much guarantee you that you could consume more salt because most people are under consuming it because of our culture yeah so 
add more salt. You'll be fine. And only twenty percent right. of the population is actually sodium sensitive once they have high blood pressure. So it's Boom. not what there caused high blood pressure. Once you already have high blood pressure, still only twenty percent of yeah. the people in that category yeah. actually respond negatively to too yeah. much sodium. Yeah. Yeah, there's literally doctors out there that treat hypertension with increasing salt. They just change to a better quality salt. Yeah. So once you once you hear that, that that just that that's happening out there, it's like, man, so how is it the salt? Right. If if doctors are doing it with salt, how is it the salt? Right. So okay. It's We're, just as messed up yeah. as the whole cholesterol. Yeah. Like oh gosh, she did it. Just, Let's. She did sorry. it. She did it. We, we don't can, have to go there. We can go there. I, I mean, it's actually a good topic. It's, I think it's we about yeah. It. It's it's nutrition related. Come on, it's, totally. Yeah. So yeah, go go down the rabbit hole. You want me to go down the cholesterol? Go rabbit go hole? down the cholesterol rabbit hole. Let's do okay. it. Okay, because it kind of correlates to the same thing we're talking about: high blood pressure and just damage, and then people that come in and they're super confused of like, my doctor said I have high cholesterol. What am I supposed to do? Some of the doctors are great, and they're like, I'm working with nutritionists, and they're like, okay, cool, she'll handle it. But some of them are like, let's just go on mm. a statin, yeah. which we don't have to go down. What statins do to your body? Yeah, like, don't, don't do that, rather. Dear all. God, it's so yeah. Bad. That's yeah. Um, not saying they're not useful in some instances. So there's obviously that caveat with all medications. But in general, the recommendations for total cholesterol keep being lowered over time, and people don't realize your cholesterol is required for so many functions in the body. For you to synthesize vitamin D through your skin, you need cholesterol. For all hormone production and hormone shuttling around the body, you need cholesterol, specifically LDL cholesterol, which is your quote unquote bad cholesterol. And so when people have high LDL, they also don't realize that you have different particle sizes of LDL. So if it's the large, buoyant, fluffy type, those are the type you need for hormone production for all of these beneficial things. Those little small dense ones are the ones that potentially can jam into the artery wall and cause issues. But I heard one great analogy once, and I don't remember where I stole it from. But it's like blaming a firefighter for a fire. Like they showed up at the scene. Those type B are there and they're present in the foam cell that caused some of that like blockage to the artery. But that's trying to patch a wound. It's not why the wound in the artery was there to begin with. So it really is like, yeah, the firefighters are there trying to put out the fire, but they're not the ones that set the building on fire to begin with. So this whole total cholesterol, they keep lowering it over time because it puts more and more people on statins when they're like, oh, you're over 200, but it used to be 250 and heart disease is getting worse, not better. And in this huge, massive study they did of people that had a heart attack, 75% of them didn't even have high cholesterol. So if cholesterol is to blame, then why do so many people without high cholesterol have heart attacks? Like clearly we're missing yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, when, when you look at graphs at different times or uh, two different things that we're, we're trying to link and they're opposite, that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. If they're trending in the same direction, which I, I've seen other people refer to this as like, oh, look at heart disease and then look at the consumption of seed oils. Yeah. It's like, whoa, they're the same, literally like almost identical graphs. It's like, okay, there's something there. Um, That's No, huge. yeah, the, the cholesterol thing is um, I have heard and I was trying to think of it too. I don't know where I heard the, I heard the firefighter analogy as well. Um, I Probably like a podcast of some sort. Podcast. I feel like it may have been Stephen Hussey. Do you follow him? He's... Um, so he actually, he's an interesting um, person. He wrote a book um, called, under, I believe it's called Understanding the Heart. But he, at, he was a type, he's a type one diabetic and had a heart attack at like 33. And they told him all these things. And he was just like, I don't know, this doesn't seem right. And he's a chiropractor by trade. So he's kind of shifted his whole career. Now he's like the heart guru kind of guy. Um, and he wrote this book and everything. And 
he gets into the weeds and some of the stuff talking about, you know, the different zones of water and all. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, he, he, I believe he uses the firefighter analogy as well. Yeah. In it's his a book. good one. So yeah, no, it is. I mean, it makes sense, you know, and, and I think that it's, it's indicative of us doing that, the healthcare system doing that with a lot of stuff, right? Like we're constantly blaming the firefighter. It's like, well, we got to figure out what lit this fire in the first place. Yeah. And um, then people, people keep saying, well, if all this information is out there, then why is this still the current recommendation? One, because it sells meds, but two, because it takes 17 to 20 years for current research to integrate itself into the medical recommendations. So it's like most of the time, these doctors don't have time to go through and dig into all of the current research and be like, are we prescribing the wrong thing for the wrong? Are we like chasing our tail? Are we getting down to the root cause? So that's some of it too. But then also with cholesterol, there's triglycerides. Like if you have high triglycerides, instead of focusing on cholesterol, let's focus on blood sugar. And then very often your total cholesterol will start to regulate itself in general. So it all starts to come back to really blood sugar regulation. For sure. Absolutely. I think it's a good time to transition to... um... Sarah made a good point about talking about the reference ranges for labs and how it's the reference ranges for labs are correlating with how healthy people or unhealthy current population people are currently. Yeah. So as we become more unhealthy as a population, the lab values continue to shift down because now the normal value normal values right are continuing to become less optimal right yeah. Yeah. so everybody has to fit within this you know reference range you know or else now either insurance has to pay for this or that or you know whatever it may be i mean we i mean we kind of talk about this firsthand a lot with testosterone in men women too but like the um the reference range for testosterone in men is like 300 to 900 you know, some are what two, the hell is some that? Are 220 now. <laughs> some are 220. So yeah. all depending, and that all depends on which lab company you go through. Like LabCorp, it'll be like 264. You go to Quest, it'll be like 283. And then you've got the, what, um, Urology Academy that's like, no, anything under 300 is low. It's like, so who's right here? You know what <laughs> I mean? So you've got all of this confusion, not knowing where people need to be. And I think that's just like going across the board is as we become un- more unhealthy as a population, the range either gets wider or it gets lower. It shifts. You know what I mean? What were we just talking about recently? Lab values that just shifted. Um, do you remember? We were oh, talking man, about a it podcast. Was something in kids. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what it was now. Oh, shoot. They. Oh, BMI. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They increased the uh, acceptable yeah. BMI for children. Yeah. That's so sad. Increased. It is sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is sad. And and BMIs, you know, obviously it's just but, you a know, little, obviously little, that's little not a great measure. Shot, but still. It's the principle it behind the it. Principle. It's, yeah, it's crazy. the principle. It's crazy. And what yeah. parents don't realize is the fat cells you put on as a child will carry on with you for no the doubt. rest of your life. So you're going to struggle with obesity forever. Even if you turn into a very healthy, active person, you can only shrink those fat cells. So working on making sure that your children don't just eat whatever they want whenever they want and they're active and move, that's important. You're setting them up for the rest of their life. They can't just lose it and then be able to maintain that easily forever and that's a sad part too of our yeah. society of like just eat whatever you want yeah. rainbow waffles why not yeah be and you know be comfortable in your own skin we we had this oh, yeah. podcast the, the the health shaming one and and it's 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 just wrong because if you are saying be comfortable in your own skin but now a, a child is literally unhealthy because you know they're overweight and they're being told oh no it's okay that's your body um, no, that's, that's wrong. Cause you're, you're setting them up for a lifetime of issues. Um, and you know, from the physical therapy perspective, 
we know that too much weight on the body is going to break down joints faster. It's going to cause, you know, excess stress and forces on, on certain areas of the body, muscles, tendons, ligaments, joints. Um, but also, um, when you carry these, these fat cells that Sarah was just referring to fat is where you store toxins, <laughs> you know, and, and we've talked about this on numerous podcasts, it, it, the, the, the most recent podcasts, uh, we talked a lot about it, but toxins are ubiquitous at this point in our environment, in our world. And, um, you're, we're trying to minimize the exposure to that. But now if you have excess fat cells, you store more of them, right? So it's no wonder you feel like crap. You know, if, if you're in that state is you're just, your body's loaded with these toxins and it's, it's a problem. It's a big problem for sure. And it's going to be harder to, to shed that, that fat too, because now the toxins need to be released before the fat cell can go away. And that, that is something that people are struggling with day in, day out is trying to rid these, their body of these toxins for sure. And if you do something drastic and you lose a lot at once, now you have this accumulation of a lot of toxins floating yeah. through your system. And then they get a ton of symptoms starting to come out of the woodworks. Like I just lost 50 pounds. I thought this was a good thing. Now I'm having all of these weird symptoms, crazy joint pain, crazy brain fog, sleeping issues, all the stuff that comes along with toxin accumulation. So then it's supporting your detoxification pathways, which is a huge in this yeah. world of like, just do yeah. juice cleanses and yeah. skinny teas. And that's yeah. just like, that's not how your body works. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a whole rabbit hole. Too. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and I think that that is sometimes a deterrent. Like when th that stuff's not talked about um, and someone is going through, someone is making these decisions and their body does detox all at once and then they feel bad. They're like, man, this isn't right. So then they resort back to what they were doing before because they're like, well, no one told me I was going to feel like crap for a little bit, you know, and, and it's your body shedding the, the some of the, that toxic stuff. But which is a good thing. Sometimes we just need to go a little slower, you know, and I was having this conversation with someone this morning, actually, um, you know, because, uh, you know, everyone wants to do the, the fat diet where they lose 30 pounds in six weeks and that kind of stuff. It's like, well, we have to slow down. If you lose, you know, weight too fast. Yeah. We, in a lot of cases, we want people to lose some weight, but you gotta, you gotta do it at the right pace because if you go too fast, number one, it's, it's a stressor to, to your nervous system is a stressor to, to joints, muscles, all that stuff. But it's also a stressor to liver, kidneys, all the stuff that needs to flush out these toxins that are then released. Um, so we have to go, you know, at a good pace, an appropriate pace for the individual. Everyone's different. Some people can go a little faster, some people a little slower. Um, but you, you find what works based on how your body's responding, how your body's reacting. And that's that's super important for sure. Yeah. And as you guys know, you can't lose just fat fast yeah. so when you're losing weight fast you're losing a lot of water weight you're breaking down your own muscle tissue and when you break down muscle tissue six months later you see people that have way more fat than they did six months ago because you just lost your metabolically active tissue so like healthy fat loss is between a half a pound and a pound a week if you're being really regimented and if you're not a female with hormones going all over yeah, the place. Yeah. But that's not the sexy thing to talk about on the internet. Of like, you could lose a half a pound a week. <laughs> it's more of like you could lose 30 pounds in this short amount of time. And that's just not how it works. Instant gratification. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, that's the culture too, that's right? That's where we live right now. Culture. That's where like we live. People don't, when you hear, like, it's going to take some time, they're like, man, I, would, I, need some, I need another. There's another option out there. I know there is. I'll take these weight loss bills. Yeah. 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 I'll ask Chat GPT how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll know. They'll know that the the robot will know. Yeah. What do we call the robot? Is it a? Is it a? It? Is it? How does the robot identify? Should we ask Chat GPT how? Chat I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That's way way off topic. Um, 
Yeah. What do we got next? I don't have well, questions in front of me, you know? I so. mean, it was lab work. And then, I mean, I think we could dive a little bit more into the supplements because people are always asking questions like that, you know? So, like, so. what are your, may, maybe your top five recommendations or whatever? I don't want to say most people. Or even, everybody falls into a different category. Yeah. What do you find yourself what? recommending the right, most right. based on like the, the clientele you work with or based on what you see? Yeah. So there's two like foundational support products that I pretty much use with everybody, unless you have some obscure type of issue in which we can't use them. So obviously, as with everything, it really depends on the person. But usually I end up using a really high dose, high quality fish oil for the first three months because that will help balance out. And then we remove seed oils and all that to yeah. balance out the omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid mm -hmm. ratio. So I do two grams of EPA and DHA with people for nice. three months. And then we get on like a maintenance type of dose. Cool. And then some people from there get enough omega-3s in their diet, but like 99.9% .9 yeah. of people do not. So then I keep them on some type of maintenance fish oil, high quality, tested for heavy metals, that kind of stuff. And then magnesium is another big one. And the dose and form is what matters. So most people have tried magnesium and they're like, it did nothing. But if, or it gave me diarrhea, yeah, which is yeah, a big one, yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. you were taking magnesium citrate. So like, yeah. it depends. But yeah. usually I try to use more of like a glycinate malate. Yeah. Yeah. Glycinate can cross that blood brain yep. barrier. Malate gets absorbed into the tissue. So it's finding the dose and form. And that's very individualized. But those are the two that I tend to use with pretty much everyone. And then from there, there's different ones that we use for digestion. And those are like shorter not protocol type of things, but shorter term ones. So we'll kind of reset digestion with like bitters and enzymes. Yep. Um, so I use those with a lot of people more than I ever thought when I first started. I didn't think <laughs> I'd crazy, end up right? just addressing gut yeah. health with everybody. But yeah. that's like one of the first things that we have to do is like, yeah. let's make sure that your gut is working appropriately. Yeah. So those are kind of the foundational support ones. Yeah. And then from there, there's a lot of other ones that I'll use. We use a lot of herbs to help with detoxification pathways over time. Just a lot of those digestive ones. Um, demulcent herbs like marshmallow root and that kind of thing, which I guess you could consider a supplement. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's always tricky when you start to talk about herbs because like, yeah, I guess, I mean, in other cultures, they just eat the herbs. Right. right? Like, so, that a yeah. or a supplement? so it's just the U.S. is such a supplement uh, driven you know, company, which is it a bad thing now? Because some of these companies are doing good work and, and making right. it so ex easily accessible, you know, because otherwise you're trying to find a good quality source of, of said herb and, and food for it because you're not going to find it at Stop and Shop or even Whole Foods because oh, <laughs> no. we have, yeah. it's it's all the same um, same herbs and spices. It, the, the, the spice aisle only has like, you know, three rows and it's all the same stuff, right? In different brands. Yeah. And those are just like the, the only supplement or the only spices we think there are on planet earth. There's so many of them. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the way that, that kind of the U S culture is for sure. There's um, ones that I find everybody on. Yeah, for sure. That end up being like just problematic for most people yeah, or just not doing anything. For sure. Everybody's taking these like four or five foundational things that they think are foundational, but yeah. it's like you could easily get that through food or it's causing harm or that's not even the form that you find in food. Yeah. And it costs the manufacturer 30 cents to make your $30 yeah. bottle yeah. of vitamin C that like yeah. the whole food complex of vitamin C is yeah. not just ascorbic acid. So yeah. like vitamin C For is sure. one that everybody's on that we can really just get through food or through yeah. like a whole food version. And then calcium is like, say calcium everybody's yeah. on calcium. That's crazy. And it can calcify your tissues. Like oh, I've man. actually seen x-rays of people that have all of this like calcification on their yeah. ribs and they were told by their doctor to take high dose calcium because they are at risk for osteoporosis yeah. 
and then it's actually making their bone structure worse because it's not absorbing into the bone like we think it is. Yeah. So I try to get most people off calcium. Like, let's get it through food where your body knows how to do it. And then with vitamin C, you're just not getting the form you think you're getting by taking it over the counter. Big thing I see with calcium is, um, you know, yeah, though, okay, how long have you been on calcium? A long time. I said, how are your bowel movements? It's like they're constipated. It's like, yeah, it's just binding everything up, you know? So that is a big one with calcium for sure. Yeah. I don't even, where did that, do you know where that came about? Like this whole kind of just, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's like a blanket thing for doctors. Like once you hit a certain age, yeah, take some calcium. Like, do you know where that came from? (laughs) I think it's in this culture where like, we like to single everything out of like calcium was required for bone health. Your bones start to weaken over time, which as you guys know, it's because people stop exercising and that exercise is going to make sure that you have that healthy stress that's going to make yeah. sure that your bones are drawing in the nutrients that yeah, they need. For sure. But in general, people aren't moving and doctors are like, well, calcium's needed for bones, so let's just give you calcium. Yeah. Without realizing that is not being absorbed into the bones like we think it is. Yeah. And now nobody eats dairy products anymore, so that's also a part of like, yeah. we're not people now getting, getting enough it, of yeah. it from our food. Yeah. So it makes sense, I guess, they're trying to be helpful and being like, it's a natural substance that can't do any harm, when yeah. in reality, that one does do harm. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things that you had said for sure. Magnesium is one I find um, recommending a lot because in times of stress, which is pretty much everybody all the time, uh, you just burn out your body's magnesium stores because it's required by the adrenal glands. Same thing with the B vitamins. You blow through B vitamins because your liver needs it, your adrenals need it, like, and it's water soluble, so you're you're peeing it out. So. Um, those, those are two that, that I often find that a lot of people could benefit from, you know, and the B vitamins are tricky. Cause I know you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, the methylated form is, or you have, maybe it was off air actually. Yeah. Yeah. So most people are, a lot of people are out there taking a B vitamin that's way too synthetic and it's not methylated. It's actually taxing their liver too much because their liver then has to methylate it and then, um, you know, make it usable. So a good high quality B is, is certainly, um, you know is something I find myself just recommending at least for a period of time for people to kind of get out of, um, you know, what, whatever they're dealing with, uh, for the meantime. But, uh, yeah, like the, the herbs for liver support, what's your, what's your go-to herbs for like detox pathways? Oh gosh, this is a, this is another whole rabbit hole. Ooh. So I use a lot of dandelion root okay. with people. Dandelion's yeah. great. I use a lot of milk thistle, yep. which doesn't necessarily help with just the detox pathways yeah. but that silly marin in it helps actually heal the liver itself so those cells can recover a little bit better because that's almost like a protect protective kind of sheath um so that i use a lot with that detoxification type of pathway support um glutathione is one that a lot of people take because it's your body's master antioxidant it's just not well absorbed through supplement forms so you could be shelling out all sorts of money and have it be doing nothing so if you want to take glutathione um the liposomal form is one that like can absorb into the cheek tissue. However, it tastes like rotten eggs. Like it's horrible. It tastes so bad. <laughs> what brand, what brand do you yeah. use? Uh, seeking Health. Okay. Have you tried? So, uh, I haven't had Seeking like Health. I ha- so I go through a company, Quicksilver Scientific. So there's actually that they they have like a lemon mint. Oh, and it doesn't flavor. taste yeah, like it's rotten got like eggs? mint essential oil and and some lemon balm essential oil. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really not as bad because yeah, with the liposomal uh, for those listening and they're not sure what that is. Basically, you need to let it sit in your mouth for usually like 30 seconds or so, so it can absorb into the bloodstream through the the mouth mucosal layer, and and um, it is absorbed faster because it's encased basically in like a fat cell. So it's 
protected from being broken down right away. So uh, liposomal has been shown to be way more effective. So glutathione is a tricky one because if you take like a capsule form, um, it takes upwards of like six months to actually increase your body's levels of glutathione. So it's probably not worth it for a capsule form, right? Like if you were taking it every day for that long, okay, you probably can can uh, can assume that your levels have increased some. But liposomal's um, been shown to be rather effective. Obviously, the best form would be injectable, or there are certain things. There's even foods that increase your glutathione level, like beets, right? Like part of the reason people rave about something like beets is because they increase, um, they upregulate glutathione production, as does, I believe, milk thistle, right? Like milk thistle, part of the reason it's it's so beneficial for the liver is because it upregulates glutathione. Milk thistle also increases um, gallbladder contractions and, and bile flow. So that's helpful from that perspective too. It's um, pretty cheap and easy to find. Yeah, so like for even sure. Even a good quality one for is sure. not expensive. Yeah. For glutathione, sometimes you use N-acetylcysteine instead, mm-hmm. which is the precursor. Yeah. Yep. Something I've more recently found out is it's actually also a biofilm breaker. So if people take NAC for too long, you can be starting to break down some of your healthy bacterial strains. So I use it when we're like killing off overgrowth. I, too, I'm a big like proponent of, of having N- NAC in the medicine cabinet, not taking it every day, but having it yeah. available. Like you start to feel something because NAC is also in, in, in the research been shown to be super helpful for um, like sinus stuff, like especially the... Um, you know, kind of post-nasal drip stuff that won't go away. Like that's just been lingering. NAC is really, can be really helpful for that. But yeah, it's it's more so a, a short-term strategy, you know, whereas some of like the liver support herbs, like milk thistle, like should you take it every day? Eh, maybe not, you could argue, but like, would you be fine if you did? Yeah, probably. It's just, it's like yeah. a food, right? You know, so. Um, I use a lot of licorice too. Yeah, licorice, licorice is, is good. a great one. But yeah. again, one that you have to take breaks from. Yeah, for that sure. That can cause damage if you take it too long. Yeah, and licorice can be a tricky one too because that can um, can increase so, blood pressure. Well, it, yeah, and it, so it can have uh, effects on blood pressure. And sometimes, like uh, depending on someone's like immune type, like if their immune system tends to be kind of more, um, more dominant one way or the other, it can be tricky with that too. Um, so people sometimes have to be careful of that with with licorice root, but. You know, it's again, it's it's one of the most most things should be short term cyclical. You use it every so often. You know, you're trying to drive a certain pathway. I I love like just because like we talked about before the toxins being ubiquitous in our environment at this point. Um, I I would love for everyone to to know understand. Okay, my liver needs to detox this stuff and do kind of like liver support, whether it's you know, they do a week here, right? Like they have like a kind of like liver reset week or they do a day a week or whatever, you know? So you mix it in whatever works for you and you just do some of these these herbs that we're talking about to support your liver pathways during this time, maybe not 365 days a year, um, but at, at, at certain points throughout the year, you're just kind of assisting this process along because I think it is, it's more important now than ever just because we have so many of these environmental toxins that are just, flying under the radar for sure and what we do too is like we focus on okay how do we help detox versus how do we also cut down on the amount of toxins coming in what are you putting on your skin what are you putting in your hair what's in your food like how can we actually start to minimize the amount of toxins that's bombarding our liver so that yeah we can still support it because we can't avoid car fumes and we can't avoid some of these things but we can reduce our overall stress load because that's still a stress on the body so sometimes we think of stress as just mental emotional stress but all of these toxins and toxin accumulation 
is your environmental chemical stress. And it's just contributing to your overall stress load too. So that's a big one is just making sure that not only are we trying to support our detox pathways, but we're not bombarding them to begin with as much as possible. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, You know, and, and as it relates to liver detox, like there's six like detoxification pathways in the liver. So some of these herbs are more specific to other things. So that's another reason that, um, you know, mixing and matching, recycling and doing this one at this time and then a different one can be helpful because they're a little bit more specific. I know um, Shisange was another one that I like, the Shisange berry that um, it has been shown to support all six of those. So that's pretty cool about Shisandra that it does that. That's one that, that is an, another one to kind of throw into the mix. But yeah, there's, there's a, there's a ton out there that you could, you could find all these, these other ones that like, Oh, cool. This supports the liver too. And, and I mean, nature's, nature's got it all figured out. We're still trying to figure out nature, but you know, it's, it's all out there in nature. Um, so, you know, we, we need to just break away from just the, our three rows of, of spices at, at <laughs> Yeah. Stop and, shop and, and that's a great <laughs> adaptogen too. So yeah. you're kind of doing exactly, both. Like yeah. you're helping your For sure. adrenal yeah. function, stress response, absolutely. liver. And they're yeah. all connected anyways. Yeah. Nothing absolutely. in the body works in a vacuum. Yeah. We like to think like this has an effect on this yeah. versus it has an effect on all yeah. sorts of different organ systems yeah. because they all communicate with each other. Yeah. So many herbs have like multifactorial help and aid in the body versus just you're taking it for this one thing, but it's also having other downstream effects yeah. on other absolutely. organ systems. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the cool thing about herbs too. Whereas pharmaceuticals tend to be very like specific to one function, right? Whereas herbs have, um, they're a little bit more broad spectrum, which is fantastic. Um, like you mentioned, two bitters before. Um, you know, bitters, yeah, are awesome. What do you use for a brand typically on that one? I use Flora a lot. They're Swedish bitters. Nice. In a, again, it's like a tincture type yeah. of form because you want to taste it in your mouth. Like you have bitter for receptors sure. from your mouth exactly. all the way through your yeah. GI tract. So yeah. if we just try to bypass the mouth, we're missing half of the benefit of the bitters because yeah. it stimulates acid production. So if you yeah. do it like 10 to 15 minutes before a meal, it's going to help start stimulating adequate amounts of stomach acid to actually digest proteins it's going to turn on motility so again we've talked about constipation being kind of the root of a lot of these issues it'll start to turn on motility so things are actually moving through your gi tract and proteins aren't just sitting like a rock in your stomach yeah so many people be like i don't digest red meat so it's not good for me and i'm like (laughs) or you just don't have enough stomach Stomach acid acid and motility to actually break it down yeah so bitters are really really helpful as like a corrective yeah it's it's so interesting because so many people you know, everyone talks like, oh, yeah, I love salty. I love sweet. I love... No one ever talks about bitter. And everyone's just like, no, that's too bitter. It's like, why, where did we get to that point? I don't know. You We're know, one like, of the only no cultures one... that doesn't yeah. have bitter things yeah. as a part of our regular it's just not diets. The norm. Yeah. yeah. Which is sad because we're kind of a mishmash of all sorts of cultures. So we don't have a lot of yeah. cultural foods in general, yeah. which is to our detriment. Because yeah. other cultures have like bitter teas mm. and arugula and greens and things that are actually stimulating these bitter receptors. Yeah. Even in Italy, like olive oil is considered a, bit, a bitter, lemon yeah. is a bitter. These things that we try to hide and mask versus like eat yeah. by themselves. Even black coffee is a bitter, but what do we put in our coffee? Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So using bitters is really important of like a long term keep stimulating those receptors. Yeah. They wouldn't be there if we didn't need bitters in our diet. For sure. So. For sure. Yeah, that's one of my biggest recommendations for people right off the bat um, dealing with like any kind of GI issues. Like every time you drink water, I want you to add fresh lemon or lime. Like just keep it cut up in a Tupperware because it can do some wonderful things for that that gallbladder. Um, just just that, and that's so cheap. Like you can get limes like two two for a buck. Like it's it's 
it's so so cheap and affordable but so can be so vastly impactful um yeah so that's yeah people think of that as like a, oh no that's a it's a citrus it's a sweet and it's like no they're they're a bitter like have you tried to eat one like an orange <laughs> it's 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 not fun um, but yeah no bitters are bitters are something that i've certainly come come around to more um you know you learn about things like rosemary artichoke that kind of stuff it's they yeah. they are soup can be super helpful yeah um, for the body for sure and speaking of gallbladder, like over a million gallbladders are removed a year. Yeah. That's not just a willy-nilly organ. We just yeah. like, well, we don't know why it's there. Yeah. It serves a function and it starts to become yeah. dysfunctional before you get stones, before sure. you have to remove it. For and sure. you start to get these signs beforehand. Yeah. So things like bitters and ox bile and digestive enzymes and all of those things can help your gallbladder function. Speaking of detox, like your bile salts and your that bile acid actually helps remove toxins for that third phase of detoxification too, that elimination phase. So we think of, oh, I just don't digest fats well, but like you're also not detoxifying yeah, well. We yeah. need to make sure that your gallbladder is functioning properly. Sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, we, we talked about that. So one of our employees had her gallbladder removed. We talked about it on one of the podcasts, you know, and, and it's, yeah, we, we, we do this. We're talking about all the detriments of the medical system, um, which is good. It's needed. But um, we just kind of assume that parts of the body are faulty. Like I'm a big, from a physical therapy perspective, called I'm called the foot guy. All right, but uh, um, but yeah, we just assume in the world of podiatry and all that kind of stuff that no f- feet are frail, like feet are fragile. So like we're gonna have to support them at some point. It's like how did we get there? You know, and and we just kind of assume that certain parts, yeah, gallbladders are just faulty sometimes. You know, and it's like wait, hold on. We got to peel this back farther, but we don't, we just remove it and say, no, you can live without it. And on one hand, it's really cool that your body can like, can actually survive without that. Like that's a very, it speaks volumes with with significant modification. Well, yeah, but, (laughs) but, but still, but you don't, it's like, no, it's a necessary organ, but you don't die. Right. Like that's, it speaks volume to how robust the human, the human, um, like body and being is. Um, but it's also like, no, if we can, uh, we, we want to avoid that at all costs, but we just, oh yeah, no, it's, it's blocked. Let's just remove it. Right. It's like, why not try a coffee animal first? <laughs> Cause that's gross. Um, and yeah. right on that ultrasound yeah. you're getting, they're like, you don't have stones, you're fine, but they can tell if it's become sludgy, like that bile becomes sludgy before it be- turns into stones. So, I mean, they can have that preventative aspect if they wanted to, if they didn't just want you to wait until it turns into stones. Yeah. But they'd have to know how to. Right. <laughs> so you can tell it's yes. whether you are yeah. looking Look, for that damn, or not. Damn, I don't have a med for that yet. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> we haven't made a medication that's bitter. Um, <laughs> Which is with everything, like, uh, let's just wait until it turns into a disease even though you have these blaring warning signs yeah like for something sure. is going wrong for sure yeah you wait till there's a problem without a doubt yeah, yeah. no for sure yeah it's so true I um, think Chad, we you were kind of quiet during no. the bitters talk man. I, yeah i know <laughs> listen that's not my forte but it's very interesting i i would like to leave it as you know with sarah we have this one question that we ask everybody and the question is what is one piece of health advice from your experience that you could offer our listeners today that they could implement Oh my God, that's such a hard one. I, I know it's a tough one. Narrow it down. So it's many tough pieces one. of advice. Um, without really knowing the person or what they have going on in general, it's really looking at making sure that you're at least taking something like that magnesium and fish oil that we talked about, because that is going to make sure that you're getting stuff that you're not getting through your diet or that 
our food system is very depleted in. I mean, we could go down the whole why we're not getting enough magnesium and why we can't get enough through food, but those two will usually help you address some of these energy issues and mood issues and inflammation issues. Like it'll start to help you address that so that you can then have more energy and put more towards all of the other changes that need to be made. So kind of starting to address those foundational things so that you can then have more mental aptitude to do the other things yeah. that we're going to talk about later on. Cool. I love it. So if somebody was interested in working with you, Sarah, how could they find you, whether it's Instagram, website, email? If yeah. So my Instagram is just Sarah K underscore nutrition. Same thing with Facebook, which I find funny because my Facebook has way more followers, but I don't actually use Facebook. It's just <laughs> how it connected is. to my Instagram. Goes. Yeah. Um, and then my website is also just Sarah Caraman Nutrition. Same thing with my email. It's all pretty straightforward, but I'm pretty widely available on there. I take clients virtually in person, so kind of everywhere. Nice. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes too so everybody has that. Any Anything else you wanted to add, Nick? No, I mean, we covered I, a we lot need of a part stuff. two though, yeah, yeah, because there's yeah. more. There's more. Uh, we didn't go too deep in rabbit holes. No, we were. Good. I almost made a joke too, but when we talked about cholesterol, I was gonna, I was gonna call it the rabbit cholesterol hole. <laughs> that would have been a good one. I would have laughed. He would have rolled his eyes. <laughs> Nick's, oh, Nick's a dad of like eight months, nine, eight months, eight months, and he still thinks that dad jokes are cool. <laughs> they they are yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't see the issue here they are there's yeah. gonna be an issue when your kid's like 10 he's gonna be like dad it's gonna be awesome yeah. <laughs> no. it's gonna be awesome okay. he's gonna be like, oh, no, not you're again. gonna embarrass him on purpose. yeah, yeah totally, oh, for sure totally for sure yeah awesome no, well we thank you for stopping by and yeah and uh we look forward to round two for sure when it happens thank you for having cool. me thanks sarah Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.